Welcome to Tales from the Pit. This is your content warning. This episode, I'll be speaking with my friend Griffin Rowell, a bit like our episode last installment with Soren Bowie, insofar as Griffin is someone who rarely, if ever, experiences depression. But he's also my best friend and oldest friend, so there's a lot to unpack, and we touch on a lot of interesting topics. If I had to warn you up top, I guess I'd say tread lightly, because Griffin is such an epic human being, you might end up feeling like a bit of a failure by the end of the episode. But I hope not. If you're ready, steal yourself for another Tale from the Pit. How do you define a BFF? And I'm not talking about the botched full frontal that got me, and tragically 25 others, fired from a comedy site I will choose not to name because I've forgotten the name. No, that nudity needed no definition, and indeed, my naked body has none. Definition, that is. I'm talking about the other sort of BFF the best friend forever kind. Is it something attainable? Like a heart-shaped locket split in two pieces? Oh my god, I just got that. That is super symbolic, wow. Or is best friend forever ship a media fever dream? Like love or reliably delicious strawberries? In the fullness of forevertude, is best friendship a quality that can be maintained? Can a friend really hold down their spot at the head of that great top eight MySpace friends pain in the sky, long after anyone who knows what that concept referred to has turned to dust? Maybe we all made a mistake eschewing our flawless imaginary friends in exchange for actual humans full of secret delights but also inevitable disappointments. To find out, I decided to talk to the man who holds that title in my universe, my oldest friend, with whom I have logged the most hours and done the most vulnerable things. Not my imaginary friend. His name was Dr. Schlotchkenmeyer, and he was a spider who eventually lost his license for cocooning too many patients. I mean my real BFF, who has only a slightly less fantastical name. His Christian name is Griffin, and like the Beast of Legend, He has shrieked through skies, guarding his treasures jealously, as both a veteran of the U.S. Air Force and an engineer at JPL. His surname is Rowell, and like a trowel, he has dug deep into the fertile loam of his psyche as a Buddhist monk. His middle name is Ashford Adams, and like an ash used to ford a dam, this analogy takes more effort to construct than it's worth. The point is, if you don't know their middle name, they're not really your best friend. Fun Griffin fact. If he was born a girl, his name would have been Fantasia, and this whole introduction would have been about a Disney musical instead. 
But what's in a name? Usually letters. And simple names fail to explain what drew these two people together and kept us interested in one another all these years, long after Josh Lindhardt and I stopped jamming out to Bare Naked Ladies albums on the trampoline, and Paul Moores and I stopped having mash marathons on VHS, and Cody Johnston was killed in that silo explosion. What makes Griffin and I best friends soulmates, as it were? To borrow from Eastern philosophy, perhaps we form an elegant yin-yang, a complementary pattern that helps both of us muscle our way through life with a clearer perspective than we might have had otherwise. We are opposites in many ways. He's blunt, I'm shy. He's driven, I'm capricious. He's bald, I'm normal and healthy. Yet, like the yin-yang, within our balanced separateness is a hidden heart that resonates with the shade of the other. We have enough of one another in us, whether it was always that way or formed geologically, I don't know. That the fact that we love each other, trust each other, will always want what's best for one another, can be taken for granted. What a luxury. It's almost like having a thick, billowy head of hair well into your 30s. So, in the spirit of extending a visual metaphor as far as humanly possible, here's the yin of it all. Call it low lights from a highlight relationship. The time Griffin, John, and Joe all separately asked if I considered them my best best friend, and I first discovered the tangled web of avoiding confrontation by telling everyone what they want to hear and hoping they never compare notes on the subject. Later, Joe and I got into a slap fight, and Griffin threw Patrick into a vacuum cleaner. Patrick has not heretofore been mentioned because he was never in the running as anybody's best friend. Sorry, Patrick. That time Griffin tried to mess with my Magic the Gathering deck and I yelled, Hands off my deck, you girl! Which was admittedly a highly problematic attempt to equate the female gender with weakness and I will live every day trying to rectify that thing I said when I was 11. Nevertheless, it didn't really justify the old man who came over to yell at us because he thought I said dick instead of deck and got us banned from playing in the park behind John's house, thereby ensuring we would be indoor kids for the rest of our lives. Personally, I like to imagine it was the very same old man, he did live in the neighborhood, who spotted Griffin and I eating vanilla soft serve months later and said, look at you fatties. You kids are too fat. All you kids are too damn fat. And then he was gone. From then on, we took our post-Magic the Gathering ice cream in the parlor rather than on the front lawn. Which is it, cranky old man? Do you want us to get exercise or not touch each other's penises? Because we can't do both! I almost thought our friendship was over when Stephen Page came to our school. That kid liked to draw. Me too. It was the single greatest existential threat Griffin and I had ever faced in our relationship, and I don't think I'm exaggerating to say it created years of tension and guilt that seemed like the most important thing in the world to me at the time. Would I spend recess arguing with Griffin about which colors of magic were allowed in our Foursquare game? Or drawing superheroes with Steven inside my contented silence? Luckily, we graduated from that school before Stephen could truly come between us, 
and I lost the ability to draw from ages 14 to 19 because my hand was always really busy with something else. Speaking of compulsive masturbation, I think it's kind of a best friend rite of passage to be watching anime at MTV at 2 in the morning and ask your pal if you want to, quote, leave for half an hour. Then I'll come back and you can leave for half an hour. And like that, the devil's bargain was struck, with no word mentioned of the foul compact we both knew we'd made. The movie was Project Aco, if you want to look it up. Anyway, all BFFs did that, right? Right? At least Griffin never made me strip in front of a whole birthday party while playing Truth or Dare. That was Patrick. Do you see Patrick? Do you get why people didn't like you? Plus, you were always cheating at Nerf War. Man, that shit just can't stand. <sighs> anyway, it occurs to me now that without the dressing up of my stellar writingsmanshipness, most of these stories are absolutely mundane and forgettable. And maybe that's the key ingredient to a best friendship after all, being around one another for a lot of hunks of time until you simply can't imagine life without that person. Maybe that's what love is. Yang time. Okay, unlike the yin, the yang delves into the dark times, the things about Griffin that actually bothered me. Let's call them highlights from a never-ending battle. The thousand, thousand times Griffin's more assertive personality trumped my meekness, and we ended up embarking upon an itinerary entirely selected by him, sometimes including things I don't like to do, like jogging, wrestling, tennis, exploring city parks at night, or otherwise raising my heart rate. When we were a bit older, this dynamic usually took the form of him blanketly telling us all what we were going to eat for dinner, and me silently resenting whatever thing we got that I would have normally eaten anyway. When we were younger, it wasn't about what to eat. That had already been decided by the parental units, and it was usually spaghetti with chili on it, which I didn't know was odd at the time. No, our arguments were about bedtime. Not that I didn't like to stay up late, but Griffin's future ambition and drive seemingly needed some goal to fix upon, and for whatever reason, that childhood goal became simply to never sleep unless the sun was up like some kind of amateur vampire. The guilt trips I endured for wanting to, no, needing to experience human sleep by the time 5.30 a.m. rolled around were no laughing matter. I'm just glad Griffin found more worthy places to focus his energies, like monking and air forcery. But while we're speaking of laughing matters that are no laughing matter, Griffin has made me wet my pants three times. Twice on an island, once using a shadow puppet of a bird singing I Believe I Can Fly, and once at Alex Graham's house by saying that my crush Catherine Howell came from Uranus, which is admittedly a highly problematic attempt to equate the female gender with my anus. That episode ended with me being hosed down on the curb out front. I have since forgiven Griffin for the urine soakings, but I cannot forgive him for his patently shitty kid jokes. Uranus? Really? Grow up, Griffin, when he was nine. And another thing. The Machiavellian struggle between two nine-year-old boys with one video game system and one controller between them is something to behold. Yes, it's easy to grow out of, 
to learn to wait and take turns and be a human being in a society. But there are few natural forces of destruction known to man that could match how hot my hatred for Griffin burned when he'd use his superior strength to yoink the controller or insist he died too quick and just kept playing. I would strangle a thousand Yoshis barehanded if it meant five extra minutes of playtime that Griffin didn't get. And that's my problem. And Yoshi's problem. I'm coming for you, you omnivorous bastard. There was that time we let my little brother drive Griffin's car out of an intersection where it was stalled, and he crashed it because he didn't know what a brake was yet. That's all that really happened, but I like to bring it up to bug my little brother. Hi, Devo. The time Griffin warned me I was in a toxic relationship, and I cast him out because that's what you do when you're 16 in a toxic relationship. And although we remain friends through it all, I'll always be grateful knowing Griffin is a friend who will tell me truths that I need to hear, not just those that I want reflected back to me. Griffin wants what's best for me, and I can trust that even when we're fighting, that's true. Here's another crappy thing. The character Slow But Deadly Turtle that became Griffin's excuse to mercilessly hunt us down and then take big slow chomps out of our arms or bellies while we flailed helplessly, unable to resist. I should mention, Griffin's really strong. You'll hear him deny it in the episode later, but that's a filthy lie. I've seen Griffin beat up a dozen ten-year-olds single-handedly. And that was just last month. But, even as children, his fortitude, drive, and stature made him an imposing turtle indeed, slow though he may have been. Oh yeah, hey Griff, remember when you fired a Nerf Ultimator bullet at my head at point-blank range? Remember when you lifted me off the ground solely by squeezing my head and lifting? Remember how I have brain damage now? I blame you for my brain damage, we should talk later. But, in every case, as these memories and fabrications of revisions of memories return to me, it's impossible to separate the negative from the positive. My relationship with Griffin is impossibly layered and complex, yet it's a complexity that yields to simplicity and stability when you zoom out from it, like a pyramid of phyllo dough. I don't know what it is, because it's still evolving, and probably always will be, I just know that I plan to log a lot more hours with Griffin, and I hope that everyone listening has at least one person in their lives they could write an intro like this about, or more than one, if they're willing not to argue overly about who is whose best best friend. Because we're all adults now, damn it. Was this an engaging thing to do an episode on? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll tell me. A reliable bestie can sometimes make for less exciting material than, say, thoughts of suicide, substance abuse, depression. But they are our oases from those things, and they deserve their time in the spotlight. Although, come to think of it, I guess an oasis would dry up if you put a spotlight on it. So let's just say this episode is my ode to my best friend, and best friends everywhere. Please. Take a moment to picture your BFF's face and clap the two halves of your heart-shaped locket together for Griffin Ashford-Adams-Rowell. Ashley went on a little hike I by her house. Oh, she's not sick. She's laid off. That's different. She okay. is also sick. And she hiked anyway? Yeah, we're always sick. What'd she do with the kids? They're at daycare. Oh, okay. I always forget that. Because she's been that. doing her 
and work stuff. Her job hunt. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the pit. Hey. Hey. Are we, oh, we're doing this now. Yeah, I always just start it rolling okay. without telling people. <laughs> so we get that sweet, candid action. Yeah, yeah. Now people will know your wife is laid off. I think that provides a lot of context. Yeah, it's okay, though. Is it okay to broadcast that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happened. It's real. It'll, yeah, it'll Get be okay. It. There are bumps. Bumps in the road. Yeah. So a quick microcosm of how the show would normally go, but we're not really going to do that this time. But do well, you, I, I don't think, I, have you ever been, do you believe you've ever been clinically or majorly depressed in your life? I was thinking about this on the way over here because I didn't know exactly. What we're going to talk about? How this was going to Oh, I know we got, I know the topic, mm-hmm. but I would say no, because I thought I, I have thought over years that I might be depressed, but knowing people who are clinically depressed, I think it was more circumstantial sadness. It's than a depression. fuzzy line. It's hard to it is. pin down. Like our first deployment. Do you remember me oh, calling? Yeah. It was pretty terrible, but I think it was more helplessness causing anxiety yeah. than real depression. And that's the Air Force. You're an air battle manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the air <laughs> USAF. Yeah, that's right. Deployed. Can you say where you deployed? Nope, no. Oh, Okay. But you were homesick. It wasn't near your home. No, it wasn't homesick. (laughs) It was that I had someone in charge of me who restricted my human freedoms to a point that caused anxiety for everyone. Is that not... That goes with the territory? Did you not expect that to happen when you signed up? No, because I did two more times, and the other two times were just fine. Oh, really? Well, but the hierarchy is still there. You're just saying they were more collaborative or open to listening to you? Yeah, they were just normal human beings instead of dictators. I guess, I guess, I mean, all I know about it is from movies and shows, right? But yeah, I mean, it's a I thought everyone was a little dictator in their own little post. No, no. no. Chain of command, chain of command. Yeah, there are people who are good and bad, just like anywhere else. Sure. It's a microcosm. So what made you think that you weren't depressed? Just because when the circumstances changed, you immediately were like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah. Like my wife and I didn't know if we were going to get divorced after we got back. And we got back and we had two weeks off. And we went on a road trip and it was like we had skipped six months of our lives and then it was the same. <laughs> so oh, like everything actually was fine. It yeah. was just a very high stress environment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really we had we had someone it was Christmas time. The guy who was like the head enlisted guy mm-hmm. under the commander, the guy the dictator. Yeah. And this is at Area fifty one, right? Where you were deployed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Area, cool. No. But <laughs> but he came. I by. like that you can't even let a joke ride. No, yeah. Because for your to. career purposes, you're like, I have to be on record saying that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> any place that I've ever been. He came by in a truck. We had Christmas decorations outside of our rooms to mm-hmm. you know help us feel like human beings. Like the Grinch who stole Christmas. <laughs> he took our decorations from the buildings and threw them in the garbage. Wait, he did. He didn't even make you do it. No, no. He just came in, up in the and night. started doing it. In, in the, the night. night. He came by. You're a mean one. <laughs> yeah. Sergeant whatever. <laughs> I can't remember. I would have said his name if I remember. Re- no, that's got to be worse than saying where you were deployed. No, no. No, he deserves it. It's weird what the honor code is. I don't know what well, it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you throw away people's Christmas decorations, you're not protected from you're any The code. Geneva Convention no yeah. longer applies. Yeah, that's right. Um, so you're my best pal. Hey. For context, we should tell people we've been friends since I was five. Are we the same age? Were you five too? Uh, I may. Yeah, probably. At there's a Montessori two, Elementary. There's a two month gap. So. Okay. <laughs> and 
you never know the stories that are old enough if it's a real memory or if like it's a narrative you've told yourself so long that it's a fabricated memory. But I thought one of us just approached the other and said, do you want to be friends? That's, Is that accurate? I, th- I think I remember that too. You remember the same thing. Yeah. Well, that's the legend anyway. Um, and we've been best friends ever since. Yeah. Except when we played video games and there was only one controller. Mm-hmm. Or when you wanted me to stay up all night, which I didn't want to do. Yep. Uh, still, what was the deal with that? I still don't sleep at all. I, I don't know what it is. But that's not true because I've been, I mean, you have a family now, but is that the only reason you go to bed? Because I've been at your place and you go to bed. Oh, yeah. No, I'm tired all the time now. But I still wake up five times a night. That's totally different, though. You would be like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. Don't fall asleep. Uh, we got to see the sunrise. I, hated I was going, like, what do you get out of that? <laughs> I hated going to John's house because uh, John's another friend, friend of, of ours the show. from elementary school. <laughs> and he, we would get, lay down to go to sleep. And I would hear him, you know, like kid snoring five seconds after we laid down. Mm-hmm. And I would sit for an hour and try to go to sleep. And I just could not do it. Was that true at home? Did you have trouble sleeping at home? I don't remember. Probably, I think I just get overly excited. Christmas too. Every year I would I would stay up mm-hmm. until like three o'clock. I just couldn't. I had trouble I sleeping at your house because your mom said she was a witch and she was gonna eat. Well, me. you know, but that was my <laughs> that was my thing. And so. you told me that just be careful because my room has many centipedes in it. That and was I, at my grandma's house. And I've made a deal with them and they don't bother me, but they might bother you. Yeah. They were millipedes actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. You counted? Well, you could tell. What's the, di- it can't be literally a hundred feet and a thousand feet, right? Uh, well, a centipede is like a very big worm and you, and it has like little like pincher legs. Uh-huh. Millipedes are almost, they almost look like a, like a broom or something. It's yeah. Like a, it's like a little stick right. with a, a just a, like thing a hard caterpillar. Legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, as you can tell, this is a non-traditional episode of Tales from the Pit because we had such a hit last time with Soren Bowie talking about his total lack of depression. Oh. Uh, I wanted to do an episode I've been meaning to do for a while, but I think it's funny just because the first, I think, four episodes were very, very heavy and dark. But that doesn't mean the show is always going to be heavy and dark. It's just going to deal with issues. And we had an issue. So this, I, I think the core of this episode will be the story of the worst fight we ever had i don't even know if it's a fight i well would you call it a fight it was it was a sad day and did i don't even know if you view it the same as i view <laughs> i do it. not how when you said you, f- you wanted to do a podcast for people to listen to about this day i was like okay that's weird though <laughs> what do you think has been the lowest point of our relationship ever? i will tell you i will tell you and it's basically <laughs> the same story uh-huh we were d- having a uh an adventure story time at lunch at Mo- in Moria Montessori. Okay. Adventure stories where we would play before I knew D and D existed. We would play D and D just as a long form improv game spoken only. You it know, was fantastic. You're here. There's this to the, the left, best. this to the front. You have this in your inventory. What do you do? Yeah. yeah. And improv game. Um, something we were like nine at this point. Please keep in mind mm-hmm. when I tell this story, <laughs> something had happened. And you, and you said that you would do, anything I said for the afternoon and we played this game and you took someone else's side over me during the game and it made me super depressed about it. Did you tell me in the moment, I don't want you to do that. I want you to side with me because you said you'd do whatever I said. I can't remember. Okay. I'm going to guess not that it was just an implied (laughs) 
slight yeah that <laughs> that was a deadly game we used to offer i'll be your servant for a certain amount of time <laughs> way too lightly yeah yeah uh there was a thing where this is so weird mm-hmm. i don't know if you know this well, you probably know this my brother i felt sometimes felt he didn't have as much agency as the younger brother so we had this game that in my mind was designed to like make him feel better and more powerful, but it's so weirdly intimate now I think about it. What did you do? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, it was uh, at any time, any time mm-hmm. for a period of a couple of years where I abided by this before we grew out of it. He could say, what was it? Normal, doll, or dummy. Mm-hmm. And dummy would mean I'd go completely limp no matter what was going on. <laughs> Doll would be, I'd be like a mannequin, like he could pose yeah. me in any pose and I couldn't move until he said normal again. And I always abided by it at like he had magic powers over me. <laughs> oh, that's kind of cute. And he would use it to like stick my finger in my nose yeah. and leave me there and make some, be He's like, a really nice guy. Hey, come so in he, here and look he, what he never Michael's doing. Nope, he never fed me anything Aww. gross or anything that he could have done. David is a sweetheart. Or like... <laughs> and we were so not He could have nice injured me very terribly if he had said ragdoll at certain moments. <laughs> you have to do yeah. it. Yeah, we made him our personal servant a lot. Pretty, but that was just older brother thing. Like, go get us ice cream and we'll be your best friend. And then we would ignore him for the rest of the night. So the point is, we've had a storybook relationship, I would say. Because yeah. if that's the most you were yeah, ever you're disappointed right. in me. You're right. Here's the most I was ever disappointed in you. And I can't believe that it wasn't as sad for you. No. Because it's fucking terrible. I, okay, tell the story and then I'll tell you how I I think we about. both need to tell the story. Okay. Or do you want to go one Wait, and then the other? So how do we both tell the story without influencing? Interrupting you? each other. What do you mean without influencing? Well, okay. I mean like... I know how I feel. You're not going to influence well, me. Well, I know how I felt. Okay. I, I was on my way to taking over the world. And once I saw how sad you were, I st- I gave up. So that's how the story is for me. You're a weak dictator. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a game called <laughs> Diplomacy. It's like Risk, but it's not Risk. If you're familiar with Risk... Diplomacy works as follows. It takes a lot longer to play. There's more players. It has the exact same world map and the same thing where you build up troops and then invade each other's countries. But it has no real board. It doesn't. Right? It has a map of the world that map. you look at. It, it has a map. Yeah. Yeah. But there are no pieces. No, it's played with pen and paper. Well, there are yeah. pieces. There are little chits to represent how many armies you have in that country, oh. if I recall. But that's about it. Okay. But it's just to keep track. But well, we played right, it the once, everyone. You're right that the action, the thing that's unique about it is it's basically played via voice and with pen and paper because even though it's called diplomacy, it should be called like betrayal, the game of liars (laughs) (laughs) because that's diplomacy though. The action of the game is you only, uh, you all determine your attacks simultaneously. Yeah. There's only war, right? There's only war. Yeah. And you all determine your attacks simultaneously. Unlike risk where you go around and roll the dice. Also the attacks are not random. Like in risk with dice, it's just whoever had the biggest army wins. Yeah. So how do you have any element of chance? Well, every round is every single person meets with every other single person one-on-one in every possible combination in another room privately. Mm-hmm. You can either refuse to speak, tell the person the truth, or lie. You can say anything. You can make a deal with them. It's real life. You do anything you want in the room and come to any kind of arrangement. Then everyone does that. When everyone's done, 
you flip over your sheet, which reveals what you already actually decided you were going to do. And some people go like, ah, you did what you said you were going to do. So now I trust you and we're allies going into the future. Or, oh, that's how you said you would do. I, that's, I, I think people know where this is headed. What? Yeah, you did everything I said. Yeah. And I felt that you shouldn't give so much of yourself in that way. And I lost a lot of respect for you. Yeah, I mean, no, I've always had that problem playing games, being totally what people don't know. And it's what is it? Am I exaggerating to say it's an eight hour game? Is it more like a six hour game? We didn't make it through the whole thing. We I think we only lasted a couple hours because it went downhill so fast. Okay, but yes, I I think it's like I think it's like maybe that's just me. No, it was really not that long, but it is supposed to be, I think, like a. 10 12 hours sometimes you split it up over two days yeah yeah so on the drive over you said oh i don't remember this (laughs) that we had an advantage over everyone else because we had the longest standing friendship that was Mm. so strong Mm. that we could swear on our friendships like you would swear on your mother's grave or something and then we would know that we'd have at least one ally we could count on so we both swore on our friendship and we defined that as meaning if we break this we won't be friends anymore. are you sure this happened (laughs) or it's what my brain remembers you son of a bitch something i wouldn't do and but, we swore on our friendship that we would, if we were going to attack each other, we'd just tell each other. Like, we were just going to tell the truth in the private room. Round one. <laughs> the problem is... You is, used... <laughs> shut up! You used the fact that you knew I wouldn't betray you to realize I was the weakest possible target and betrayed me immediately. It was like a blitzkrieg. Making a deal with someone neither of us particularly cared for in life. And I think because you knew I would never expect you to make a deal with them. <laughs> Yeah. Eliminated me from the game. You were my ride home, and I had to just wait for the like three hours for the game to end. No, it's pretty. It's pretty accurate. And the whole time I thought, okay, this is Griffin telling me we're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not good etiquette for sure. I went for a walk around the block. I listened to Amateur by Not a Surf, and I wept. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, it was terrible. And then I but- forget how we made up. <laughs> um, I think what I did was I didn't play the game. I let myself be destroyed turn by turn until I was dead, and then we just left. Oh, you ended the game early so we could just go home. Yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's nice. I would have taken over the world. Are you? S- <laughs> I don't assume you'll win every game unless you try not to. Well, I could be you at Boggle right now. Maybe Should we Boggle. play Boggle live on the air? That's too loud. The sh- just the shaking part, I can edit it out. Then it's too quiet. You it's might. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can probably beat me at Boggle. Ha Yeah, the other thing that you did would always, that would always really cause strife between us is your learning curve on video games is weird to me. So do you know, you still haven't, I'm not good at any game. You don't know why I'm good. I can beat. I would always ask you and you'd refuse to tell me. No, that's not true. I'd say. That is not true. How are you you beating me now when 10 minutes ago you had never played this game and I was much better than you and now within 10 minutes I cannot beat you. And you would say, I just do it, man. I can't tell you how it's done. And I would be like, you're such a dick. No, I was a child. I'll tell you why. It's not that I was good at any game. And by the way, sorry, I just have to brag a little bit. (laughs) It's not that he couldn't beat me. It's that nobody after about a half hour could even come close to doing anything to me in these games. Like I could play one handed and beat people. Right. Fighting it. 
So I don't know how but to... But not initially. Like right. a game that you were good at, you would say, play this with me, Griffin, and it would be really satisfying because you never beat him at anything. You're like, I am destroying you. And then half an hour later, he's destroying you, and you're like, I don't understand what happened or so what changed. I only had one <laughs> skill, and that was that I could identify the patterns that each human player was making to a degree that I could always win. If it, Once the AI and stuff, I wasn't that good. That's what I was going to say. If but, we played a two-player game where you're both like no, running through a platformer yeah. level, you wouldn't have an edge in nope. that? Okay. I get, for some reason, as a kid, my mind was just really good at picking up what people were going to do. And that's, all, that's the only reason why. Mm. It just happened to be really good at... at you should gamble. Or like poker? Yeah, oh, right? Maybe. Well, that's what they say is yeah. you're playing the other players. Hmm. Because eventually everyone knows the mathematics of the cards, right? And yeah. you're just guessing what the other players are like. Well, the math, I think the math is pretty pretty complicated. That's true. But you have to, yeah, I guess I'm just, took the time. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. People just say that like it's an old chestnut. You play the player, not the hand. <sighs> I'm old and tired now, though. I'm not as good at that stuff anymore. Oh, yeah, I asked Soren this last time. When your first child was born, was that moment life-changing did you find oh. your faith in god and a shining light shone down mm, from heaven I, I don't know on your bald ass head <laughs> <laughs> uh it yeah it was life-changing oh good i don't know Soren about, said no really <laughs> yeah well i was no he said having children is life-changing but it took way long like it took weeks and weeks to slowly uh, accrue the feeling I, so i'm sorry to my son if he ever hears this but he's my second child and i was around for the birth that time mm -hmm. and it was still wonderful to see a healthy baby and everything um but i didn't have the same f immediate feeling okay like it was a it was a small frail baby mm -hmm. and i was kind of scared to hold him actually oh because you were on deployment so yeah. when you saw your first kid she was not as frail yeah like was, there was less nervousness involved yeah <laughs> and my wife had she had like a minor complication right at the beginning of the birth mm -hmm. so it was kind of scary and i all i had she was, shouldn't have gone into labor while mining that was her own fault. yeah well, <laughs> you know fall she did fall down the pit but uh <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know it was I was looking forward to it so much and looking forward to seeing her. I still had like six weeks to go mm -hmm. that it was uh, just indescribable, really. And I, you know, I could really feel it. And it's coupled with the feeling of deployment ending, which is its own relief. Yeah, also right, is right. happening simultaneously. Coming yeah. home. Yeah. But it was. But then when I got home, mm -hmm. I, I had, hated her. No. no, 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 I didn't hate her. But I so I got home. She was six weeks old. She wasn't as frail. They go through mm -hmm. that phase pretty quickly, fortunately, but it's awful when they're so like, small. They could die at any second. Well, like just putting <laughs> just putting shirts on them. You're like, I'm gonna snap their fingers in half. Right, That's right. Crazy. There's fingers um, just like a tiny little wispy thing. <laughs> yeah. So I got home. She was a little bit bigger. I could hold her and stuff. Still, no smiling or anything. You know, like no consciousness mm -hmm. really. And I was at home with her for five weeks. <laughs> to this weeks. day, she's a vegetable, right? She's oh, no. two and a half. She's no. just she's amazing. <laughs> I love her so much. Um, but. I was with her for five weeks and it was so boring. I was just like, oh, I'm just sitting with this baby on my lap every mm -hmm. day, all day while my wife goes to work. Did you feel the genetic compulsion though? Like this is my baby. I would fucking kill anyone to save it while it was sitting there on your lap. Or were you like, this is boring. This could be anyone's baby I, or it could be a, a lump. <laughs> no, I feel that way now. Sure. And I feel that way about my son now. Yeah. 
but I think I don't know if it's for all men. I but think I, it's a myth that it happens instantly. I think no, it takes time. For Ashley, it was. Oh yeah. She was, yeah. Okay. And same with same with Ashton too. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I've heard from uh, multiple men that that f- initial phase is very tough to bond. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, they say the pain of childbirth helps well, start them off on the right foot, and you don't have that. Pain of childbirth and then breastfeeding, too. That's why I'm planning at the moment of birth to hammer a nail through my penis. Just to, you know, yeah. so I can associate it with the baby, get in in a, like, in a good way. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And not have any more babies. I only want the one. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say you should have multiple babies, do that every time, and then write a paper <laughs> with like an analysis of the bonding you feel. Jen and I think we'll have one and adopt one is our goal currently. Okay. Yeah. Two kids is good. Two is always what I wanted. <laughs> that I'm way done. we can control that we have one of each gender without having to meddle with the genetics. Which I controlled that very well. With just... With genetics. Yeah. I just willed it. You just it. did it. Right. I just willed it into being. Well, you got to give your wife some credit, man. Um, no, I don't. No, the, <laughs> the, the sperm is what determines the sex. Oh, uh, that's, I guess that's true. Yeah. Chromosomatically. <laughs> Chromosome? Well, how yeah. would you turn that into an adverb? Chromosomatically. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's dangerous territory, man. I'm not. No, it is. Yeah. No, but, you like, know, having... I, like in the 1200s when they're like, well, the man produces the seed, which is a tiny, fully formed version of the man, like a mini me. Okay, and it simply grows in the egg of the woman. She is an empty vessel. That's different than knowing the chromosomes. <laughs> all right. All right. Of, of a sperm. Any, but it wouldn't be bad if you'd have two boys or two girls. At, at it. No. And they've yeah. even done studies that genetic thing's super real, which I think is very interesting. They've done studies that show like someone will react obviously more strongly to their own child being in peril than a stranger's child. Oh yeah. But I hate, I really don't like kids. Also though. they'll react more strongly somewhere in between to like a nephew or a niece versus a stranger. Oh, really? So like you even will logarithmically taper the <laughs> amount you care based on how much of your genes they share. Okay. Which really just means we're all self-centered. We are a factory oh, of genes. That's what I've and realized. And our genes think they're the yeah. best genes and they just want to be, they want everything to be like you. You just yeah. like what you are. No, that's true. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't think that until I became a father and now I'm like yep nothing else matters I will crush a society if I have to and yet in the end you're like what's but to what ends well to have more people in the world who are like me (laughs) more rowels that's right that's right so vain yeah but not overtly it's just you're just controlled by hormones and well that diplomacy conversation didn't take very long no it didn't you have depression in your family yeah. And other mental illness. And I'm not going to go into it in yeah. detail, but okay. I guess my question is to what do you owe, if anything, or have you even thought about it, your resiliency in that regard? Cause I mean, your dad can get depressed sometimes, right? Um, I don't know if he has like a clinical depression as much as life has been tough at times. Again, contextual, but, yeah. but he is seems stable and chipper when I see him. Yeah, I guess he's, he's pretty low key in general. Right. Kind of like my dad. Yeah. So what do you, uh, I don't Well, do you know? Cause I don't know all the way back into your grandparents and stuff. 
without getting into too much detail, I know you have more issues with mental illness unrelated to yeah. depression and that just kind of bypassed you and you're lucky. Like that's how I feel about like, I could have easily been schizophrenic. I'm right, not, right. I'm just yeah, lucky. Same for me. We have, yeah. yeah. We have definitely way more severe things in my family. But do you know any, one of your family grab? Cause I think I, maybe I, you just have the genes. I think it's probably just genetic. Depression honestly. just doesn't run in your family. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, there is depression and anxiety. I think, I really think it, it, a lot of it's genetic. That sucks. What are you telling me? <laughs> no, no, because Ashley also has a lot of that s- stuff in her family. And yeah. even though when we first met, she was, f- we were, you know, we're still both young. We met going into the Air Force and she was figuring out what she wanted to be as a person. Uh, but I really don't think she had the problems that she, the rest that some of her family has. So I think it's just dependent on on what you, what you get a lot of the time. Well, barring I'm, extreme trauma or anything. Allow me to interrogate what I see as the main pattern in your life. Speaking of trying to figure out who you are, you're a rocket scientist now, is that fair to say? I what would you call your job title? I'm a systems engineer. Systems engineer. Okay. Is it under the umbrella of rocketry? I yeah. I guess I yeah. Are you not well, saying I that because it's classified? No, no, no. I have I have a master's degree in in astronautical engineering. There so you yeah, go. I guess. Okay. But I'm not. A, I don't have a PhD. So do, I guess what that. I'm saying is, do you feel that that is your true calling? Does that even term mean anything to you? Do you no, feel you found your true not, calling? I I have realized that that term does not mean anything to me. I okay. I am a series of, uh, of striving and and accomplishing tasks and ambitions. I thought I, I thought maybe I had a true calling, but I don't. It's, I just like doing things. It seemed for a long time that you were seeking a calling or seeking I did, I was. an I authority was. structure. Let's see, what's the rundown? <laughs> uh, an EverQuest. GM, game moderator, right? Okay, so... I want to go through all the phases of interesting jobs you've had. Well, so I kind of dropped out of high school. Uh I got my high school proficiency because we're in California and we have that opportunity. And then I lived in a monastery for a while. Black belt in martial arts was a whole phase. Technically, I only have a brown belt. Oh, sorry. I didn't get my black belt because the guy who taught me, I realized, I found out was cheating on his wife and I had some weird moral Here's the thing. other pattern. <laughs> you always become morally disillusioned by whatever thing it is yeah. and abandon it. Well, J- I'm not disillusioned by JPL. I love JPL. Sure. But I will say, okay, so monastery, <laughs> I did that for a while. Then I became a uh, Star Wars Galaxies oh, GM. Yeah. And then I went to school, and I for what physics, uh-huh. and I did that, and then I joined the Air Force. That's a big departure too. That it's was. almost like a break, and then back to science. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's because you want to be an astronaut, right? right? And that's actually how you do that. Scientists then join the Air Force. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's a, that's a good way. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, yeah, and then I did my master's degree while I was in the air force then i came back and now i work at jpl yeah but what was wrong with the monastery why'd you end up there you became morally disillusioned with the buddhist monks as well the monks the abbot of the temple i was at had a had a rolex 
<laughs> okay. And uh, other things of that. It okay, wasn't the only nature. thing. Yeah, yeah. It the was vow basic, of poverty was not. It respected. was basically <laughs> like joining the Catholic Church and being like, oh yeah, no, these people aren't that spiritual. I just got a very interesting looking packet in the mail inviting me to join a secret society. Ooh. I'm like, I'm sure it's a scam to get some of my money. Yeah. But it's amazing how much they outlaid for. It's like a big packet with lots of graphics and stuff. I was just impressed by the level of scamming going on. That. Or I've been invited you, to join a secret society. I would like to see the packet afterwards. Yeah, done. we'll look at it okay. afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so back to like, I guess the, the this is a question I've I'm been asking myself. I'm wondering where the striving comes from. Yeah. I think at this point it's almost a habit because mm-hmm. for our childhood. Oh, and you run ultra marathons. That's um, a whole phase yeah, as well. Got, yeah, yeah, that's a thing too. But, <laughs> um, yeah, as as a kid. You were always pretty good with school. Mm-hmm. Like you liked doing well in school. For my whole childhood and adolescence, I liked elementary school fine. We went to a great elementary yeah, school. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic, loving, yeah. familial <laughs> environment. Atmosphere, yeah. yeah. Um, but when I went to public school for middle school and high school, I hated it. It was very difficult for me because of some of my experiences. I didn't. I didn't actually. Not only did I not have a good time, I didn't understand people very well. Did you get bullied? Well, I was pretty this, overweight, was, so. But also, as far, but you've always been stronger than everyone around you physically. I feel like if someone bullied you, you would have destroyed them. <laughs> it was more. It was there. Someone threw an apple at me one time, and I crushed it in my hand. With your hand, so that was and pretty they fun. just never fucked with you again. Yeah. I love that story. So that I was never bullied in that way, but disregarded maybe because I was like out. I was okay. felt kind of outside. Just of, unpopular. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was, (laughs) yeah, loser. Yeah, I know. Well, now I can run a hundred miles. But high school is bullshit, right? That's That's not real life. Yeah. I only got a preview of that because I went to seventh grade in public school and it was so bad. My mom immediately moved us to a nice school district. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then the rest of my school was good. Well, I, so also I went to school in La Jolla, which is a very wealthy suburb in yep. San Diego. The jewel. But we weren't necessarily what you would call wealthy. So there was like a huge disconnect between, I mean, there were people who Your I, life experiences, I right? Yeah. It's, I just didn't understand where I was. The poorest kid in a rich neighborhood yeah. is weird to be. Yeah. Um, so I didn't strive for very much in high school okay. at all. Like I basically just played video games for the entire time. Like uh-huh. you, you were in theater. You liked, you were, you were, that's the thing is I don't resonate also. at all with not knowing what your true calling is because obviously it's narrowed down. Yeah. But I always knew like, if I'm not doing written material that I then perform, like that's all, that's all I want to do. It's very obvious and it's always been clear and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I've had many interests. Right. And for, I don't well, know. I like, I'd love to be a scientist. I like, I can yeah. imagine that whole separate life, but in the end I'm like, but this is my calling. So yeah. I have no, no I mean, I love, I love science and I love the thought process and I love the discipline of it. And I love a lot of stuff about it, but I don't like working for the man a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially after the military. It's just a thing that I think a lot of times happens. It's a big proportion of veterans start their own businesses and stuff. And, uh, things just get boring to me. So I think JPL is a good place. I can do a lot of different things. I can stay there for a long time if I want, but ultimately I don't, 
think it's like the be all end all of your of, life is that what your yeah. life is about yeah. but that leaves room for your main thing to be your family maybe yeah, like a lot I, of people go that way when they're like my family's more important to me than my job yeah and that's kind of what's developed over the past couple of years is i don't care about my career advancing super fast right now i want to do a good job but ultimately i want to come home at five o'clock and play with my daughter right. and see my son you want the work to be at least enjoyable or engaging yeah, or not and frustrating it, and it is. i mean yeah. like i have a good time at work so i imagine jpl is varied and engaging work it's <laughs> not know? bad it's not a bad place to work at all i you also did that same thing with music which i just have to say so people hear it because i think it's amazing the breadth of music like there was a period where, and I might be smashing periods together, but it was stuff like this. You would only listen to VNV Nation and like B-Born Baton, what is it? B-Born Baton. B-Born Baton. And uh, basically German techno industrial, yeah. very dark and heavy. And I love a lot of that music, but I listened to a variety of music. You would only listen to that. Uh-huh. And then there was a time where like a couple months later, I get in your car and you play a, a Yumi Hamasaki J-pop. And I'm like, can we listen to that VNV Nation song? And you're like... I don't listen to that music anymore. I listen to this music now. <laughs> and you only listen to like J-pop and K-pop yeah. songs with really high-pitched female pop singers. We did that. At, we listened to that at work the other and day. And then you switched to Fisher Spooner. You'd only listen to that type of music. It was so weird. Yeah, Journey. Did you have a Journey phase? Uh, a Journey, Paul Simon. Well, Paul Simon's not a phase. He's a genius. <laughs> yeah, but I like... Got the entire discography right. and listened to only Paul Simon for a while. And then do you discard those things when the phase is over? Are you like, that's it, Paul Simon? Ingested. Well, no, I... Kind of. <laughs> if I hear Paul Simon, I'm like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. But I never go, oh, I want to listen to Paul Simon right now. Do you still feel that way about Emerge by Fisher Spooner when you hear it? Are you like, oh, I love this song? I do. And I made my wife listen to it and she's like... What is it's this not garbage? good, Griffin. Uh, yeah. It's three fashion designers with no music experience know, making a song. Yeah, we listened to the Initial D soundtrack at work. Oh the other my day. god, Initial D. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> and now, right now, we're listening to this thing. I listened on the way over here. It's called Retro Wave. It's basically techno that's in the theme of eight-bit video games. Oh sure. I love it. I love it so much. It's great. Have you seen Simpsons Wave? No. I recommend everyone go on YouTube when they need to relax and look at a thing called Simpsons Wave. It's really chill, techno, like ballads and soundscapes with Simpsons footage recut to be super meditative and relaxing. Okay, so it's not sound clips. No. Okay, that's good. It's like a long techno chill out jam with relaxing Simpsons imagery. (laughs) It's Uh, very weird. I'm I'm going to... It's the closest I've gotten to ASMR understanding. Oh, because The Simpsons is so primally nostalgic, because, it does comfort yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's true. I do love The Simpsons, but I, same thing. I used to watch Simpsons t- an, or like an hour a day. No, I just don't care anymore. Sure. It's just, I don't know why. Oh, you goddamn parents. I am getting to the age where it seems like the parents club where you're like, oh, you don't have kids. You don't understand what real life is like. No, <laughs> I won't say that, but it does cut out all experience, right? Like I used to go to the movies every week with Ashley sometimes twice a week and but, now we go to a movie once a year but does it seem like you fi- find you don't care right no we want to go to the movie oh you do okay. i want to go see black panther like really bad i'm going tonight yeah and I, you don't have to go to sleep at nine o'clock either are you depressed about it no okay <laughs> well then we might be out of stuff to talk about no no yeah, sorry what else no that's you fine you don't have any backups 
For what? I don't know. Diplomacy. I basically yeah, just wanted to tell the diplomacy story and also play around with the formula being a conversation. I want to have more conversations with people who aren't super depressed. I mean, it's going to vary. I'm going to do an episode about suicidality because we haven't covered that specifically yet. Probably good. Thing. But I also want episodes with people who are like, this is what my life is like as a baseline. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was depressed. listening to the. And of course, other challenges. Like I talked to Lauren about her physical challenges versus you know being depressed yeah well i was i noticed you don't have any of those either physical challenges not really oh i'm kind of old and rickety now shut the fuck up well i am i my knees hurt for the first time maybe i should post a picture no it won't even do justice i just you're just like the strong you're like magnus magnuson no i'm not yes you are i weigh 185 pounds magnus or magnuson but you have magic inside you you can i've seen you fight off large groups of people Tell the Lompoc story about the dude with the hammer. That wasn't that. It was just weird. Just, just tell the story. A guy was trying to split a log or something with a hammer, and I said, don't do that. And he was some crazy Lompoc redneck guy, and he Attacked you with the hammer, I thought. No, he threatened me with the hammer. You said he swung and you grabbed his arm. Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Okay, this I know I remember correctly, so maybe okay. you were exaggerating at the time. But you said a dude swung you with a hammer, you stopped him with your arm, and later at the party you tried to apologize about it, and you were like, no, you can't apologize <laughs> after you attack someone with a hammer. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, he, I doubt he was had had murderous intent. All right. Because I don't think you stopped that with one arm swing. You're trying... You're, your humility, I, your false humility is making it sound like I'm a liar. No, I don't. Don't act like this is not a trope. Everyone in no. your life talks about how strong you are. No, I am. Yes. Back me up. Seven people would wrestle me. It's And you it's, would like throw them all off yeah. because you have some weird ability to explode. Well, the, I'm not even saying you're no. super built. I'm just saying right. you have this ability to muster all your strength. Well, you can out. say it's an ability, but this goes back to the diplomacy. It's really just ruthlessness that people don't have. Like when I'm playing a game, like wrestling, mm-hmm. people will stop because they don't want to, to do win anymore to easily or whatever. And for some I have no limiter on me. Well, it's also I remember once we so had a fist bad. fight. It's a bad thing. Not that we were mad at each other. We had a fist fight for inter- to be yeah. t- as a thing to do. And uh, advice well, you did give boys. me that I was like I totally never thought of how important that is. And it actually served me well in a fight after that. Oh, really? Is you were like, your main problem is I can tell I'm winning because when I hit you, you will show on your face that it hurt a little, a medium amount or a lot. And I, and I was like, right. And no matter how hard I hit you, it never hurts. And you were like, of course it hurts. I rigidly don't move my face so that you won't know how much it hurt or if it did hurt or didn't hurt. And I was like, that is an amazing cycle because 30 seconds into a fight with you, people despair because you always do the Terminator dead face. Like (laughs) I'm just fighting you now. And people are like, Oh man, this guy's you're like a wall. Well, it's fun. I, that's another thing I don't get to do anymore because I'm old. Fight people. I'll fight you. Okay. Did you, God damn it, there's got to be something. What? Did your time in the Air Force leave you with any trauma or grief or did any shit go? Nothing. God, I'm so sorry, Michael. I feel so much more complete as a person. It was the great... I Even though I hated most of my time in the Air Force, in retrospect, it was the absolute best decision I ever made in my life. Including? Not saying people should join the military if they don't think 
they have direction in life. It's hard to say if that's right for you. That's got to yeah, be it really, case by case. Yeah, <laughs> and it could have gone the other way because I did not enjoy my time for a lot of it. Also, but, if you get deployed in the wrong place and die, then it went the wrong way. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it depends on the post you end up in, right? Yeah. Although you said, as their battle manager, you're like, I'm not statistically in a lot of fear of being killed by the enemy. I am in a lot of fear of our shitty plane oh from my the God. late seventies just failing and crashing. So so scary. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end, I was flying with someone who had not had a lot of problems flying, and we had like smoke fill the cabin. Uh huh. And I like reach down, put my, my oxygen on, mask like, on, and it's like, okay, well, this is fine. And the guy was terrified. And I was like, oh, what? You haven't been on oxygen and he's before? Like, Give this letter to my <laughs> mom. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, this is my dozenth one this year. Wow. It was, yeah, I hate, I had really bad luck too. Well, obviously, we need to fund our military more. We do not spend enough on defense in this country. <laughs> yeah, I'm only like $750 Wait, billion. Dollars. That's a question. With the most advanced military in the world and spending so much on military, why is your plane shitty? Like, where's the disconnect? Well, each one of those planes is like $300 million and decades of development. And yeah. it gets, it's worse now, like that. You know, the F 35 stuff. Sure. Right? Yeah. 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 So the acquisition process is kind of broken. Right. So it's that thing where one day, if you're lucky, you'll be there when they do get the new planes. Yeah. And they'll be amazing yeah. your whole time. But then F-22 for generations pilot, after you, yeah. it will slowly degrade. Well, and there degrade are people who fly B 52s. It's the same plane Today? their grandfather Wow. Flew. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty nuts. Now they retrofit everything. Right, but, at least for safety. Yeah. Right, the basic functions. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's it, amazing. I didn't know that. No, it's well, okay. Amazing. I was hoping we could get unique veteran perspective, but you also don't have like PTSD from your conflict. Um, well, PTSD is pretty specific, but yeah, you weren't in the shit ever, so to speak. Yeah, I. Yeah, called Camp Cupcake where I was a lot of the time. There you go. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the Air Force guys, and you're like, it was still. I mean, as far as like. Living conditions, it sucked. But a camp cupcake in the sense that no one there ever got killed usually. Well, yeah. Yeah. Now, and Far even living conditions weren't that bad. It was basically who's in charge of you. I don't Having know. Having complete control over another human being is. I'm not going to say where you deployed, but we Skyped one time and you just gave me a video oh. tour of the area and I'm like. Uh, I would run away yeah. and die because people live there though. I know, but people that's, live there who aren't soldiers who just live there. Cause those that's are their just home. their people. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah. I mean, there's just places in the world that I'm like, why does there have to be human settlements everywhere? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, and we'd get up and we'd be like, it is too damn hot here. That's why everyone's killing each other. <laughs> I want to kill people uh, right now. That's a clue. Now people know where you were deployed. Yeah, somewhere where it's hot, which is everywhere and, now. Well, if you Google hot ca- hot cupcakes, hot hot <laughs> cupcake camp, you'll find probably porno, disturbing porno. I do remember looking up at the sky and seeing that it was blue, and thinking, I fucking hate blue. I want to see clouds so bad. Oh, there was never any no, condensation, no right? Clouds ever, just searing blue sky. It's interesting how much effect on your mood. Haha, I'm tying it back into the main yeah, thrust do of the it. show. Do it. You know, seasonal affective disorder, but I think even to a lesser degree, like when I was in Montana, the clouds are notably different. The sky looks different than it does in Southern California. And I didn't appreciate how much I would notice the whole time. Like the whole time I'm somewhere else in the world, I'm definitely affected by how 
like in a video game, it's called the Skybox. I'm like, mm-hmm. this Skybox is different. <laughs> Oklahoma yeah, no, City, true. when I came to visit you in OKC, I was like, this guy is so alien. It feels so like you crazy. guys. We had a good storm when you came the first time, too. It felt like you guys, like, by my standards of living in Southern California, it felt like you lived in an aquarium <laughs> with, and someone's, like, dropping food coloring in the top. Because yeah. your clouds are just swirling around all the time, changing colors. I was like, and what is going on? And the amount of rain, like, it rained pretty good here last month, right? Like, there were problems. Right. California's not but ready for get, it. Your clouds would get but, charcoal black, which yeah. is something I did not even know happened. Yeah. And yeah. then they would spin really fast and destroy <laughs> neighborhoods. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the burgers. (laughs) Oh, anyone in Oklahoma listening to this, I miss the onion burgers. Nick's Grill. More than any. And Tucker's, but mostly Nick's Grill. Well, Tucker's is the homogenized, franchisable version, which I do think we need in this world because that needs to expand. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Nick's Grill is like the Michelin star one-off you go to to try the true experience. Yeah, like the food stand Michelin star. Plus the two dudes that work there are just delightful. Oh, weren't they great? Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't have to talk to anyone. But he does. Yeah. Personal connection with cheese and everything. (laughs) Cheese and everything. (laughs) All right. We're out. Okay. I think so. (laughs) Um, So what we're going to do, we're going to go fist fight, discuss franchising onion burgers. Mm -hmm. And I want to see the secret. I was going to show you something. The secret society. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go join a secret fist fighting society. Thanks for being such a great friend my whole life. Griffin. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I really wanted us to have kids at the same time, but hopefully they won't be so far apart that they can't be weirdly close. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I just can't do another one. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. right, right. Because I expect to be popping the first yeah. one out within the next two to three years, but you're done, so they're going to be yeah. at least four years That's apart. Okay. Barbecues Ooh, and stuff will still fun. We'll force them yeah. to marry each other later. Okay. All right, I got you on tape, bitch. <laughs> this episode is over. Well, that was fun. For us, certainly. I hope it was fun for you. And next episode, we'll be speaking with Christian Ramirez of Cracked Fame about microaggressions. So it'll be a little heavier, a little more back on format, whatever this format is. But I'm just going to let it keep evolving, and I hope you're enjoying following along. Hang in there until next time. Much love from the pit. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.